Hey everyone, you're listening to PR Hangover, a bi-weekly public relations podcast and talk show brought to you by Grand Valley State University's PRSSA chapter, and me, Courtney Fogel. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Hi everyone, today I have a special guest from Frederick Meyer Gardens. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm John Vanderhagen. I am the public relations manager at Frederick Meyer Gardens and Sculpture Park. Cool. So what what does your job entail? Yeah, so I am in charge of all public relations. So okay. basically, um, I'm the liaison between the media and our internal experts. So, um, you know, it's traditional things like writing and releasing press releases, uh, overseeing our social media, but then also taking... Um, any of our internal resources and pitching stories based on them. So we've got a wide variety of things that we do at the gardens. We're not only a sculpture park, we're a horticultural garden, but we also do weddings, events, um, all sorts of things. So it's really finding what ways we can use our great internal resources to promote everything that we do there with the traditional media and then online with social media as well. Okay. So this podcast is going to focus on event planning. Yeah. Why is event planning important? Yeah, so it's really important for us just because we do so many large events. You know, we've got our exhibitions, we've got our annual things that we do like Christmas Mm -hmm. uh, and holiday traditions around the world, all of our sculpture exhibitions, but then also our our summer concert series, which I think we'll focus on Mm -hmm. a little bit later too. So, um, you know, planning for those is so important just because, again, there are so many different moving pieces with just the sheer number of employees that Mm -hmm. we have, the number of different departments that are affected by each event. Um, getting out ahead of that and really planning, uh, almost over planning is vitally important for us just because there's so many things going on. Um, we all are working, you know, some people in the sculpture department are working three years out on their events. Um, there's things like the summer concert series that are being planned now for next summer. So Mm -hmm. if we didn't do a lot of planning and a lot of preparation, we would just fall apart just because there's so many things happening all the time at the garden. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it really helps us get ahead of both kind of the promotional efforts and then internally how we're going to actually manage those events, staff Mm -hmm. those events, and run those events. Cool. So what does your team look like? Yeah, so I'm on the communications team. We're a pretty small staff considered everything that we do. Um, We have six different people. We've got a director of communications. We've got two graphic designers. Uh, We've got a project manager who keeps us all on track and all in line. She does a lot of our uh, proofreading, some of our writing, a lot of our editing. Mm -hmm. And then um, we've got a social media specialist and then myself. Um, We've also got a really wonderful volunteer uh, who helps us as well. She's in um, Monday and Wednesday mornings. So we consider her a part of our team as well. But um, basically six and a half people in our staff. Um, On the gardens overall, though, we've got about 200 full and part-time employees. And then we are blessed to have the help of about 800 active volunteers as well. Um, So we really couldn't do what we do without the wonderful volunteers Mm -hmm. that we have there. So, um, yeah, so that's, in a nutshell, that's basically our staff and the the gardens staffing. Okay. So what is a day in the life then in your work environment? Yeah, so um, the thing that I really like about my job is that there is no average day. There's no, you know, I come in, I punch in, I do the same things, and I leave. Mm-hmm. So um, we're very seasonal in what what we do. Uh, we know that every spring we're going to do our butterfly exhibition. Every summer we've got concerts. Um, we've got sculpture exhibitions in there. Every fall we do chrysanthemums and more, which is a wonderful horticulture exhibition. Every winter we do our Christmas show. So um, a lot of what I do is seasonal, working, you know, six months out to pro- um, get 
promotion ready for those, mm -hmm. to get press ready for those. Um, I also answer all of the um, incoming emails. We've got an info at Meyer Garden, so that's everything from questions and complaints about guest visits to can you put me in touch with this person to I found this flower, what is it? Mm -hmm. um, would you guys like this cactus from my collection? So that's really interesting. So really what I try to do the first thing every morning is um, stay on top of email. So that's a lot of things from external uh, sources, but also internally people having questions about media coverage or um, I also handle the website, so website updates, if a class sells out for instance or if a certain department needs an update or if we have a job posting. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, then I kind of shift my focus, it's some pitching. So um, if we've already you know, gotten the press release out for an upcoming exhibition, um, following up with key media contacts with maybe different story angles, different ideas for ways that what they're writing about might apply to us. Um, I mentioned a little bit earlier, we've got a big um, facility rental team as well, so we're always trying to get um, wedding business, corporate okay. uh, meeting business, so there's a lot of pitching to those types of publications. Um, and then, yeah, really like I, I mentioned earlier, it's a lot of connecting our internal resources with external um, ways of promoting them. So sure. uh, trying to get on um, shows that are talking about gardening or uh, showing ways that our sculpture collection can be um, accessible to the public. Mm -hmm. So a lot of just figuring out ways um, to capitalize on the great staff that we have and connecting them with uh, media sources uh, in town, regionally, and nationally as well. Okay, cool. So when you're planning different events, is there a consistent plan that you have or does it vary? It, it definitely varies. So um, a lot of what we do is seasonal. We know Again, every spring we're going to have this thing happening, every summer that thing will be happening. Um, so we know pretty much for those they're cookie cutter. We do want to change things every year just because one of the things that we pride ourselves on is being always new. But as far as the planning goes, um, we always know in these months this will be happening followed by this, followed by that. So I know I can back up my calendar and I know you know, three months in advance I want to write the press release, two mm -hmm. months in advance I want to get that out. A month in advance I want to start following up so a lot of what we do even though it's seasonal and it, it varies um, a couple times during the year the overall media plan is relatively similar um, it just kind of changes in our strategy of who we're reaching out to who we're talking to maybe where we're advertising but overall it's it's it is pretty similar we know if this is the event opening on this day rewind three months or maybe even six months if we're trying to get national coverage in some longer lead publications. Um, we know this press release needs to go out at this time, following up at that time. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the planning really helps with that because um, we have so many different internal stakeholders with everything that we do as far as guest services, uh, volunteer help, um, public relations, the finance department. There's so many different people mm -hmm. involved in a lot of these decisions that, it, again, if we didn't plan, if we didn't have kind of a consistent um, calendar in what we do, um, we would really be scrambling last minute. Um, yeah. So it, it really help, helps us all keep our arms around everything that we do. Mm -hmm. What kind of calendar do you guys use? Um, as far as just how is it laid out? Like a or, content calendar? Or like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, as far as social media, especially, that's really important. Um, we want to be nimble where if something comes up, we want to be able to, to drop posts in or talk about it. But we also uh, work about a month out um, specifically to social media, and we mm -hmm. have everyday plans. So we know um, on Monday on Facebook, this is going to go out. On Tuesday on Instagram, this is going to mm -hmm. go out. So we use a combination um, 
Sprout Social is great for, mm -hmm. for uh, scheduling a lot of that stuff. Um, a lot of that now that Facebook allows you to schedule. Yeah, um, Facebook has kind of stepped up their game. They really have, yeah. They've really uh, kind of wrapped in a lot of the tools that these yeah. uh, third-party sites are using. Um, and that's made it really handy for our social media specialist to kind of lay out a month so that she can focus maybe on some video work or creating mm -hmm. content um, to know, you know, again, on this week, this is what, what we're going to be talking about. So that's done through, again, Sprout Social, Facebook's native tools. Um, we're old school in that we use Excel spreadsheets for a lot yeah. of stuff. Um, one of the things about our staff, too, is, again, there's so many different departments, so many different, um, I guess, technology um, limitations with a lot of people. So not every, I would love to move more towards like shared Google documents, shared calendars mm -hmm. that way, but um, getting everybody on board has been a slow process. So it's a lot of emails back and forth, a lot of we have a shared um, drive that anybody in the organization can get to documents on. So a lot of that is done through internal servers, not quite yet on mm -hmm. you know interactive Google Docs, but maybe we'll get there. But um, yeah, again, everybody kind of has access to the same documents knowing whether that's when, three months out yeah. exactly yep and a lot of meetings too i should add that a lot of <laughs> meetings <laughs> what's your favorite aspect of large-scale event planning that's a great question i think um you know for us it's a lot of single events um that we do it's a lot of exhibitions but you know we're focused a lot on the opening or for our concerts there's 30 significant single events and i think just seeing I'm really fortunate to work in a place where people come to have fun and come to relax and come to enjoy themselves. So mm -hmm. being able to do all that hard work and then seeing it pay off is really rewarding to me. So seeing yeah. people come in um, and kids, you know, their faces are just wowed by our Christmas trees or um, people come and see their favorite band in our intimate amphitheater. You know, seeing that pay off, I think is the favorite part for me, kind of realizing all that hard work that so many people have put into an event and then seeing it come off as successful. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's a great feeling. Wow, cool. Can you think of a situation where something didn't go as planned and kind of how you worked through it? Yeah, so fortunately that doesn't happen a lot in our world. Um, I would say concerts are really where that happens the most. Um, and it really only happens maybe once or twice during a, uh, a, any given season. Um, the big ones I can think of are where artists have to either reschedule a date or cancel. Um, and then that really throws off a lot of what we do because a lot of what we do is done print and it's done months mm -hmm. in advance once we kind of book a schedule. So. Um, for instance, this last season, right after we had sent out our big mailer to all of our members, it's about 28,000 pieces, um, after we had everything booked, confirmed, information out to the media, uh, unfortunately, Huey Lewis uh, had a throat issue where he had to cancel his whole tour. Nice. Um, luckily, we were able to reschedule within a couple days. We, we were able to get Michael Franti and Spearhead in. They filled the same exact date. Um, but that threw us all for a loop, right, because we had to contact every member again who had gotten the physical mail piece. We had to reach out to all the media, make sure that they weren't talking about the Huey Lewis date. Luckily, there was a lot of national coverage on that too, so we could kind of piggyback off that. Um, but I think the biggest takeaway from that is that we have to be nimble. A lot of this stuff is out of our control. Um, we do everything that we can so that the mistakes that happen aren't our fault. Um, yeah. But with anything, with live entertainment, with large-scale events, there's going to be stuff that happens that comes up. So. Um, I would definitely suggest having a disaster plan, you know, run through any possible thing that could come up, whether that's weather, whether that's, um, you know, a guest injuring themselves, whether that's 
a guest, um, you know, whatever issue it might be, have different scenarios um, and then just be able to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, we were able to kind of sneak in a new date to replace that concert. Um, tickets hadn't yet gone on, gone on sale for the whole series, so it was only a minor speed bump. Um, later on in the season, we had another group, Air Supply, had to reschedule a date. Um, which was unfortunate because the original date was sold out. The date that we rescheduled for, since there was only about two weeks notice, um, we ended up losing about 300 tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, it wasn't anything that we could control, so you have to make the best of it. Um, yeah. Do what you can to alert the public, to alert anybody who had tickets, um, and just roll with it, make the best, best of it that you mm-hmm. can. Do you ever like refund tickets if that's the case? Definitely. So if it's a um, if it's a matter like, uh, for instance, this air st- air supply situation where people had already bought tickets, um, we give them a certain window where they they can return the tickets. After a certain date, though, we have to know okay, this is who's in mm-hmm. or who's out because we still have to sell any tickets right. that we lost. So um, that's really the only instance where we'll refund is if there's something that happens on the artist side. Um, I think it's pretty much um, assumed that since we're an outdoor venue, we can't control the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and we make that pretty well known that we're rain or shine. The only time that we'll cancel a concert is if lightning or severe wind were in the area. Luckily, fortunately, we've never had to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, we've cut a couple sh- shows a little short, um, but we've never refunded. So, okay. um, yeah, very rarely will we do that. But. On the kind of normal side of what we do, if a guest comes and they have a bad experience, that's another part of my job is to kind of smooth those issues over. Definitely either refund, welcome them back, give them free tickets for a future visit, mm-hmm. um, whatever we can do on that end to kind of make them happy. But yeah, we try not to refund very often and we yeah. make it pretty well known in all of our literature that you know we're rain or shine, no refunds. Um, and I think that's pretty standard for concert venues overall. Sure, makes sense. So now that we're kind of talking about the Meyer Summer Concert Series, what what all what is that? What does it entail? Yeah, yeah. So we do. We've got two separate series out at our amphitheater every year. We do um, thirty shows, uh, thirty different concerts, usually running from end of May, early June through end of um, August into September. Um, and then we also have what we call the Tuesday Evening Music Club which is every Tuesday in July and August, we do local and regional music. So that usually works out um, to nine different concerts of local and regional music. So those are all free or included with um, somebody's general admission. So it's free to our members who already have access Mm -hmm. to come uh, any time they want, basically. Um, But the main series is sponsored by Fifth Third Bank. So it's the Fifth Third Bank Summer Concerts at Meyer Gardens, Um, national, acts ranging from kind of older music like the Beach Boys to newer stuff like the Shins. Um, Yeah, so it's a wide variety of acts. Um, We've been doing this, this was our 16th season that we just wrapped up. Um, And it all takes place at the Meyer Gardens Amphitheater, which is a smaller venue. Um, It seats 1,900 um, general admission tickets. And then we recently renovated our sponsor area in the back. So we've got just over 430 seats back there. I think the final okay. count this year was 432 um, sponsor seats. So those folks are able to buy. It's usually um, businesses in the area. They're able to buy for a whole season, and they've okay. got reserve seats. Otherwise, we sell 1,900 um, general admission, first come, first serve lawn seats. Gotcha. Um, so it happens every summer. Um, we tend to stick to those months just because that's the best weather. Um, that's when we find that West Michigan doesn't really have something like what we do. Um, you know, there's bigger shows outdoors in Chicago, obviously, in Detroit. 
Um, but it's a really nice time to get outside and see a concert in a unique venue here in West mm -hmm. Michigan. How do you, you said this has been going on for 16 years. Mm -hmm. So how do you make sure that you keep people interested? Say they've yeah. come last year. How do you make each year stand out? That's a great question. Yeah, that's something we've been really lucky with. Um, you know, something like this uh, could lose interest. Uh, it all depends on who is coming, what the lineup is. Mm -hmm. um, but we've been really fortunate to find kind of a good mix for our member base. Um, we've got 29,000 uh, member households at Meyer Garden. So these are all families, grandparents, people who have bought a membership um, to the gardens. And then we market first to them. So members have the first chance to buy concert tickets. They get a discount. They've got a two-week exclusive period. Um, and we've really found kind of a good mix of, again, those older shows like the Beach Boys, like Alabama we had this year, mm -hmm. um, but also trying to do some newer acts as well. Um, so yeah, I think was the question, how do we keep it fresh every yeah, year? Yeah, how, how do you keep, keep people new? interested? Yeah, um, I think the key is just to have something that they're not going to be able to find at, say, the Intersection, 20 Monroe Live, mm -hmm. uh, Van Andel Arena. There's a lot more competition now for live entertainment. Um, but we're also really blessed in that we've got a really cool venue. So it's small. Um, where else are you going to see a concert with a world-class sculpture collection in the background? Mm -hmm. um, it's a tiered lawn amphitheater, which that doesn't exist anywhere else in West Michigan. So um, I think the biggest key, though, is to find acts that are relevant, that people are going to buy at a price point that works um, for everybody. We're really sure. lucky we only have to find about 2,000 people for each concert. Mm -hmm. um, but the key is to have, um, you know, groups, acts that people are interested in. Okay. And so how do you choose which performers that you want to book then? Yeah, yeah. So um, we use a promoter out of Utah who um, has a venue out there that's very similar to ours. So I'm not sure um, how that uh, relationship first started, but he's been booking our series, I want to say, for 13 of those 16 years now. Okay. Um, and he has relationships with um, booking agents for all sorts of different acts. So he's able mm -hmm. to kind of start putting the puzzle together of, okay, I've got this budget. We know these dates are available. Um, this band might be playing in Detroit in that week and heading to Chicago. So how can we kind of fit them into the routing? Um, there's also um, a lot of input from our members. We do some surveys um, from our sponsors. We do some surveys internally with um, our staff, our volunteers, who would you like to see? Mm -hmm. um, the key though is not to book for our booking agent, for myself, not to suggest um, acts that I wanna see, but what is gonna sell, right? right. So um, he's constantly working with booking agents to uh, find the best bands at the best price that are gonna be in the neighborhood when it works for everybody. Mm -hmm. So um, that whole process is usually about six months out. So he's gonna be starting that here probably November, December. Um, most bands now in the fall and heading into the winter are touring indoors, um, but they'll start making their summer plans based around album release schedules, based mm -hmm. upon you know how many dates they wanna go out on tour. So that all comes together a little bit later. Um, but yeah, that's really kind of his job and his yeah, that makes uh, specialty. So we that would rely. be a lot of work on your plate. <laughs> yeah, there's no way we could do that internally, um, and that's such a specialty too, right? So we we can put up all the money in the world, but if we're not able to, to talk to the right manager or the right person, it's not going to do us any good. So um, Chris has been great. He's got these relationships that he's built over the last you know 20 plus years with his other mm -hmm. venues. 
Um, so he knows who to call. He knows there's certain artists that we've had, um, like Lyle Lovett, we jokingly and lovingly call our house band because he's played um, every year of the series and sold out every year. So we know that that's going to be one of them. Um, mm -hmm. I think there would be mutiny amongst our members if we didn't have Lyle Lovett back. <laughs> so um, there's some of those things where we know um, we're going to do that every year. But um, yeah, he does a great job at, at the okay. booking on the booking side. So what what other performers have been successful? Yeah, we um, you know we've had shoot so 30 concert times 60 years. I'm not good at math, but that's a lot of shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, and really over the last five or six years, it's really started to gain momentum where we're selling out um, over 90% of all possible tickets. So I think it's less who the performer is and more we've got a really unique venue. The price mm -hmm. point is right. We're right in town. It's free parking. Concessions are reasonable. Um, but we've had really good luck with, again, the Beach Boys, the Four Tops. Um, Tony Bennett was here a couple years ago. But then also trying some newer stuff. So of Monsters and Men was here a couple years ago. Um, ben Harper has played a couple times. Uh, Michael Franti and Spearhead always sells out. Um, so yeah, there's been a wide mix. And then we didn't do any uh, last year, but the previous two years we had a stand-up comedian in the mix too. Oh, okay. Um, which was interesting. We'd never tried that before. Jay Leno was the first one. And then we had, um, no, excuse me, Brian Regan was the first one. And then we had Jay Leno um, after that. And... It was unique, it was fun, but I think outdoors comedy is a little hard because it's really hard to hear and a lot of people um, do treat our show as more of a social outing, so mm -hmm. um, I don't know if we'll do that again in the future, but it was kind of a fun thing to try. It was unique, it was different, um, and that worked well for, for two years. Cool. Otherwise, there's always, we try to have a mix of about a third repeat acts, a third new combinations so where the opener might be returning but the main act is new and then a third um, of the season new acts that have never played mm -hmm. there before so that's been a pretty good mix for us again to sell the series overall okay this question might be like slightly off topic but it just popped into my head sure. so yeah. Yeah. being that this is a large event how do you deal with safety issues? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, we we definitely have a safety plan. There are plans in place for weather. There are plans in place for um, you know terrorist events. Not mm -hmm. that it would um, we would be a target or for um, you know any any possi possibility. We've we've got a manual. We've got a procedure in place. Um, we also work with DK security. So. Um, we don't need the number of security uh, guards that, say, a, a show at Van Andel Arena mm -hmm. might need, but we do have a significant um, staff from DK Security handling crowd control. Um, and then we also have two Kent County Sheriff agents at all of our shows. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, if something were to go wrong, we do have kind of a manual that we pull out, and that's across the board. That's whether something happens during a normal day at the gardens, mm -hmm. whether it's during a concert, whether it's during a wedding or rental event um there's kind of a disaster plan yeah that's where good. it yeah where it starts um in place if this happens and this starts this is the phone chain here's how we alert the public here's mm -hmm. how we alert the media here's who can speak for the organization um here's kind of how we alert the staff um so we definitely have a plan and i think that's really important 
um, even if things don't happen, to practice those situations, right? Yeah, right? just so that, because you want to be ready if exactly, it does happen. Exactly, yeah. And I think that's, I, I guess it's part of event planning. It def It's a huge part. It has yeah. to be. Yeah, definitely. It's not the most fun part, but it has to be mm -hmm. um, because you don't want to get caught in that situation where, God forbid, something does happen and you don't know what to do or you don't have a plan. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely not the most... Uh, enjoyable part of event planning but it's got to be it's got to be a cornerstone of what mm -hmm. of what you do it's necessary for yeah. sure yeah what PR tactics do you use to promote each event yeah so we we do a lot of the traditional stuff you know I'll send out a press release at the beginning of the season with the whole schedule I'll follow that up um, you know maybe halfway through once we know what shows haven't sold out the tickets mm -hmm. are still available um, we're all over social media. Um, we do interviews. We do on-site um, live TV remotes. We do call-in shows. So um, we do almost all the traditional stuff that you would think. Um, we're also doing more and more Facebook Live, more Facebook advertising, um, Twitter Q&As here and there. So we're trying to use the free tools that are available to us as much mm -hmm. as possible to reach out to that kind of built-in internal audience. Um, yeah, we're we're doing all the all the basic things, press releases, talking to the media, all those cool. things. Yeah. How does national media play a role in the Meyer Garden concert series? Yeah, um, national media. We don't get a ton of coverage for the series. Um, occasionally, we'll get a mention when we release our schedule. Um, a lot of that stuff is dependent on what bands we mm -hmm. have come through. Um, we saw a big spike this year with coverage. Unfortunately, when Huey Lewis canceled. Um, you know that was such a big deal and we were on his I think he only had maybe a handful of dates this summer that he was going to do anyway so we yeah, were so mentioned in all deal. of those yeah it was a big deal so we got mentioned in all of those stories um, but the summer concert series doesn't really generate a lot of national press um, <clears throat> some of our other events obviously do and we have a big sculpture mm -hmm. um, show starting or you know any of the other different things that we do around the around the gardens but um yeah, as far as national media, we don't typically get a ton of coverage um, unless it's for something, unfortunately, like a rescheduling mm -hmm. or, um, yeah, something somebody had to cancel or something gotcha. like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Although a couple of years ago we had um, Ray LaMontagne, who's kind of known for being a little temperamental. He's a great studio musician, but isn't always great in front of crowds. And he kind of had a temper tantrum at the end of a show and stormed off and slammed his guitar down. and. Um, was yelling at a certain couple who was talking throughout the whole show and we got unfortunately I think it was a slow news week um, we did get a lot of um, a lot of national mentions but it's things like music blogs it's never mm -hmm. uh, NBC News or it's right. never anything huge um, but yeah so occasionally something will happen where it's unfortunate like that again mm -hmm. out of our control but where it'll pop up yeah makes sense yep. so to wrap this up how do you juggle the big, large-scale events and then the regular events that you do throughout the year? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it all goes back to the, having that calendar. Um, and again, looking six months out, a year out, sometimes three years out for mm -hmm. us, um, and really sticking to that calendar. Um, again, with so many different internal stakeholders, it's often hard to get people together. But if you have a meeting on a calendar six months out, it's a lot easier to plan around that. Right. So, um, and then there's also a lot of different committees. So um, it's kind of a fortunate slash unfortunate part of my job is that there are a lot of meetings, but it's all definitely um, really necessary. So I think just having a 
plan on one hand, but also having kind of an outline of a calendar of when certain key events need to happen mm -hmm. um, is huge for us. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your time. Yeah, no, thanks for this inviting me. This is really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to hear about something that we don't talk about in class a lot. Sure. Yeah. So this is cool. Yeah, no, I'm happy to yeah. help. Well, thanks again. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at GV underscore PRSSA. And check out the show notes for this episode on GVPRSSA.com.